American soccer fans, welcome to episode 115 of the USA SoccerCast. We are bringing you everything about the U.S. national teams, the players, the leagues, and everything else that impacts the game of soccer in these United States. I'm Donald Wind. It's September 18th, 2023, and the U.S. men's national team just finished a September window against Uzbekistan and Oman. The U.S. women's national team has a window coming up this week where they will take on South Africa in two friendlies, and at the same time, we will say goodbye to two legends of the game. And finally, U.S. soccer is on the move. We'll talk about their plans to move to Atlanta in the near future. But first off, let's talk about the men's national team. They took on Uzbekistan and Oman and friendlies this past week in St. Louis and St. Paul, Minnesota, respectively. And it was a good week for the United States men's national team. A 3-0 victory against Uzbekistan back on September 9th with goals coming from Tim Weah, Ricardo Pepe, and Christian Pulisic via the penalty spot. They didn't follow that up with a victory against Oman on September 12th. Goals in that match coming from Flaren Balogun, Brendan Aronson, another goal by Ricardo Pepe, and fan favorite own goal. <laughs> the match against Uzbekistan started hot, and it ended hot. Tim Weah's goal was a banger, and so was Ricardo Pepe's. And there was a lot of frustrating play in the middle of it. While I thought against Oman, the team looked very good from start to finish. Brendan Arison, his goal was a free kick goal, the first for the team in a very long time. I think since 2016 or so, an incredible shot that he had. So that those two games were good, right? And and I think overall, when you look at this, scoring seven goals while conceding zero, a great thing. But there were a lot of people out there who no doubt like to stir up the masses by reporting rumors that have no foundation and, and are centered around the teams we played. And... I just want to address one of them for a minute. There was a rumor out there that said that the men's national team were supposed to play England and Japan in road friendlies during this particular window, but that the U.S. soccer preferred to play lesser opponents at home to make money. Now, all of these are out there and, and people love to to bag on U.S. soccer, but let me say this. From where I stand and what, what I know, we were not supposed to play England and Japan. We never were. We were supposed to play Argentina and Brazil. That had been reported on as far back, I believe, as March. And I had on a good authority that those games were ready to be announced until they received word that Kami Bowl was trying to figure out World Cup qualifying schedules. And when it was announced in June that Kami Bowl would be doing World Cup qualifying, those teams had to pull out. They just started their World Cup qualifying phase in September. So they had to pull out those games. And we had just played Japan last September in Dusseldorf. Japan was already scheduled for friendlies against Germany and Turkey. England, they had one Euro 24 qualifier against Ukraine. And then they were already scheduled, like scheduled as far back. I think they scheduled this last November before the World Cup. They scheduled the 150th anniversary friendly against Scotland. They were not moving that. That was not being canceled. Africa, South America, Europe, and even CONCACAF had competitive matches already scheduled, which left some teams in Asia to play. And a lot of friendlies there were already scheduled. So we got Uzbekistan and Oman. And it was really because once Argentina and Brazil had to pull out, all these other teams were, were gone. So we got Uzbekistan and Oman, two teams that people out there think are terrible because they don't know them. We haven't played them before. This is the first time we had played both teams. But one... 
these are teams that we could see in the next World Cup in a group stage, particularly with the expanded format. Uzbekistan did very well in Asia qualifying last time around. Oman almost made the World Cup. And two, yo, Mexico couldn't beat Uzbekistan. They played them after the United States did, and that result was a 3-3 draw. So there are people out there who like to throw gasoline on anything and try to turn into a fire, but the fact of the matter is this. We played two formidable opponents who we've never played before to learn about some new looks and styles of play that we could see down the road. And hey, we scored seven goals against them, like I said, and we conceded zero. That's a great week. Was it perfect? No. But as we enter essentially the new cycle with the first time of Greg Berhalter returning to the helm as head coach, there was a lot to learn. And there was a lot. It wasn't going to be perfect play. And if anyone wanted to have this team come out and play and score 55 goals and concede zero, that was just never going to happen. So the people who aren't happy probably weren't going to be happy no matter what happened because of whatever factors that are in play. But at the end of the day, this team played pretty well for a window where we got to see some new players and we saw the return of some of our veterans. And as we move forward, we're going to see some big opponents. Germany is coming to the United States next month. Ghana is coming to the United States to play both the United States and Mexico. And we will get to see how this team stacks up against some better teams. And I know Germany's going through it right now. They've lost their coach. They, they're, they're going through some issues. But that's still a big time friendly that people are excited about. And we should be excited about seeing these teams play as we move forward because we're going to see more friendlies. Obviously, there's going to be mixed in with Nations League and Copa America and expanded Gold Cups and, and all those things that keep our guys in competitive games. But we also have to take a look at some of these teams. If you, if you think about the NCAA tournament in basketball, the upsets don't come in this in the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight most times. They come in the first round because teams show up against another team that they're like, oh, I've never heard of this team. I've never seen them play. And this should be an easy battle. And it's not. The biggest upset in the 2022 World Cup occurred in the first round. Saudi Arabia over Argentina. Argentina probably underestimated Saudi Arabia, and they got caught. This is a way so that we can see some new styles, some new looks. And at the end of the day, when that World Cup happens, when we are hosting on American soil, we will get to see something and go, hey, we've seen that before. We're ready for that. We we don't have to worry about this team because maybe we haven't played this team in a long time, but we have played something similar, and we're ready. That's the point of these matches. And, and when we look at that down the road, we're going to see that we are going to be playing teams from every single confederation, maybe maybe not Oceania, but maybe we play New Zealand down the road. Who knows? But we're going to be seeing some teams from different levels, different confederations, different styles of play, star players to players you've never heard of, because we need to do all of that as we continue to grow as a team and as a program moving towards that 2026 World Cup. So we put a bow on the September international window for the men Let's take a break right here. More on the women's window that begins next week and a move for U.S. soccer to the Peach State after this. We are back. And we shift gears to the U.S. women's national team. They are taking on South Africa in two friendlies this weekend. 
once on Thursday in Cincinnati, then another on Sunday in Chicago. Their first games since the 2023 Women's World Cup came to an end. And of course, they're going to do it as a team in transition. Vlako Andonowski resigned as head coach a few days after the end of the World Cup, while it was announced around the same time that U.S. Women's National Team General Manager Kate Markgraf was leaving the Federation at the end of August. Like Brian McBride on the men's side, Markgraf's departure was known by the Federation before the start of the World Cup and did not have anything to do with the World Cup. But, you know, people can take that as they will. And it leaves Sporting Director Matt Crocker with some quick decisions to make because on the women's side, a new World Cup cycle has already begun, and the first test in that cycle is less than a year away. It's the Olympics next summer in Paris. The U.S. women have already qualified for the Olympics by winning the 2022 CONCACAF W Championship, but they have less than a year to get ready for that tournament, a tournament that is traditionally played with a shorter roster than that of the World Cup. It's usually 18 players and maybe some alternates versus 23 for the World Cup. And it's a race to get that coach in place in time for them to be able to get right to work to get this team back on the podium in Paris. Currently, the USWNT has an interim head coach, and that is Tula Kilgore, who was an assistant under Vlaco. And her task is to get these preparations started. But at the same time, this window was always supposed to be about the World Cup roster. They were obligated to call in all of these players who are healthy, but Kilgore also called in a few others with the intention to try and expand this player pool and get some evaluations in with the Olympics in mind. This window also serves as the final curtain call for a couple of legends of the game. Julie Ertz will play her final U.S. match in the first game in Cincinnati on September 21st. After she's done with that, she will not continue with the team to Chicago for the second match. The September 24th match in Chicago will be the final match for Megan Rapino in a U.S. uniform. She will not play in the first match in Cincinnati, so that allows both players to get their proper send-off and it's well-deserved. So with that in mind, here's the 27-person roster for September for the U.S. women's national team. We start with the goalkeepers. We have Aubrey Kingsbury, Casey Murphy, and Alyssa Nair. No changes there. Defenders, we have Elena Cook, Tierna Davidson, Crystal Dunn, Emily Fox, Naomi Germa, Sophia Huerta, Casey Kruger, Kelly O'Hara, Emily Sonnet, and M.A. Vignola. Midfielders, we have Sam Coffey, Savannah DeMello, Julie Ertz, Lindsey Horan, Ashley Sanchez, and Andy Sullivan. And then your forwards, Mia Fischel, Ashley Hatch, Alex Morgan, Midge Purse, Megan Rapino, Trinity Rodman, Jaden Shaw, Alyssa Thompson, and Lynn Williams. So nine forwards on this roster. Keep in mind that Kelly O'Hara and Roosevelt were named on the original roster, but they were removed on Saturday. Kelly O'Hara is still working her way back into fitness after the World Cup, while Rose is nursing a leg injury. And they were replaced by Vignola and Purse, respectively. The two World Cup players who are not in this roster are Sophia Smith and Christy Mewis. They both are recovering from injuries. But we welcome Tierna Davison, Casey Kruger, Sam Coffey, and Ashley Hatch back to the women's national team. And we get to see Mia Official and Jaden Straw on this roster. Those are the players who are on this roster that did not travel to the Women's World Cup. Tula Kilgore mentioned in a statement that they want to bring in players that could help as they start preparing for the Olympics. Now, this is an interesting setup of games because South Africa surprised many by their play at the World Cup, advancing to the round 16 before losing to the Netherlands. And 
this is a strong matchup to start the fall for the United States. Hopefully, we get to see some of the new talent on the field so that they can get an opportunity to stake their claim and make an impression, not just on the coaches, but on the fans as well. This transition is underway, and it needs to hit high speed very soon because the lighting of the Olympic torch is just around the corner. It's less than a year away, and it's one of the most important dates on the women's soccer calendar. We need to be ready for it. These matches will be the start of that. Finally, before we get out of here, the United States Soccer Federation is trading the loop for the perimeter. On Friday at the U.S. Soccer Board of Directors meeting in Chicago, the Federation announced that they are building a new national training center in the Atlanta area that will also serve as the new headquarters of U.S. soccer. They also announced that Atlanta United and Atlanta Falcons owner and owner of Home Depot and a lot of other things, Arthur Blank. Arthur Blank has pledged $50 million to help build the training facility and the headquarters. $50 million. I don't know if he thinks he's building Chelsea Clinton, but it's just a training center. But this training center will serve as the hub for all 27 national teams that are under the Federation's umbrella. I think the coolest part of this is that part of the contribution will go specifically to developing facilities for U.S. soccer's nine extended national teams, particularly cerebral palsy, deaf, and power soccer national teams. And it's way overdue for those teams to have facilities of their own. They're going to be accessible facilities. And I think that's great that they're building that and, and really focusing in on it because those teams are really, really good. If you've ever watched any of those teams play, they are the best in the world at what they do. And it is well-deserved that they finally have a home facility to call their own. The decision to move U.S. Soccer's headquarters from Chicago comes after an initiative that brought all U.S. Soccer employees, including national team coaches, to Chicago. It was required that everyone lived in the area and is now expected that all those employees, coaches, and everybody else will move to Atlanta upon the completion of the National Training Center and headquarters, of which a site is expected to be picked in January. And there's no date for an expected completion of the National Training Center, but everyone's pointing towards 2026 because Atlanta is serving as a host city for the 2026 World Cup. And it is assumed that this is part of the build legacy from that tournament. So it's it's interesting that they're in, in moving to Chicago. It actually kind of makes a lot of sense. You know, better weather year-round, which means having training facilities, including some indoors, which means guys can train year-round. Of course, Atlanta's airport, Hartsfield-Jackson, is the busiest airport in the world and has been for the last 25 years. Everyone in this planet, essentially, if they've entered the United States, probably has had to fly through Atlanta at some point in their life, and everyone knows about Hartsfield-Jackson. What this means is players coming in from Europe, players coming in from everywhere else, a lot of them won't have to take connecting flights to get to the training center. They'll just have to take one to Atlanta, and that is a good thing, getting everybody in, and honestly, guys, I foresee. And honestly, I foresee a situation where once this training center opens, that all of the training will take place there. If the game is in Chicago and DC in a particular window or in Florida or in Texas, they will all convene for training camp at the National Training Center in Atlanta, go through the training, and then the day before a match, fly to whatever city is hosting the game. And I joked with some of my Atlanta friends that, uh, you know, Chicago notoriously didn't get a lot of games with the U.S. national team while they're in Chicago. 
And Atlanta has not had many. I believe as of right now, they've only had three ever between the men and the women in in the city of Atlanta. And I joke with them that they're never going to see the national team play in Atlanta again with this announcement because that's generally how it works. But I do think that, honestly, this will mean more matches in the Atlanta area, more matches in the southeast up the eastern seaboard. Because, again, Atlanta is a worldwide hub for any city that they want to go to. And if all those guys meet in Atlanta or the women meet in Atlanta to play or to train, they can go in one flight to just about anywhere in the country. And honestly, they can fly anywhere in the world. And so I, unless they're doing an, a broad trip where they're playing in Europe, I foresee a lot of the training sites or the training camps being held right there in Atlanta at the new National Training Center, maybe minus January camp, which could be held in California. So it's an interesting situation. It's obviously a few years out. We don't have a site yet. They haven't started building anything yet. There's no shovels in the ground. But this is a huge development for U.S. soccer, moving away from a city that they've called home for, I believe, well over 30 years uh, in Chicago. So we'll keep tabs on that. We'll see what happens with the new site and where it ends up being in the Atlanta area and how this takes place and how, honestly, they involve everybody in making this the premier site for U.S. Soccer's headquarters and training and development. But that will do it for this episode 115 of the USA SoccerCast. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, follow us on Twitter. We are at USA SoccerCast. Don't forget, we have an affiliate program with Homage, Fanatics, MLS Store, and Breaking Tea. Head to linktree.com slash USA SoccerCast to learn more. Click the links to these sites and support the show while getting the latest gear. Hey, you need an Ertz shirt? You need an Ertz jersey? You need a Rapino shirt or jersey? The gear is waiting for you at these sites using our affiliate links. And you could save some money while doing it while also, again, supporting the show. So we really appreciate all of you who check the affiliate links before you make your next purchase. And finally, please send us some topic suggestions as we move forward. You can email them to usasoccercast at gmail.com or tag us in your questions on Twitter. We will talk to you again soon, y'all. Peace.